This episode is brought to you by Milano Cookies. Look, sometimes that long Zen yoga class is just not in the cards. So maybe a cookie is. Pepperidge Farm Milano believes you should make some time for yourself once in a while. I know I have a particular space in my sewing room that I like to just take a few minutes every day. I sit there. I think about things. It's kind of like meditation and munching at the same time. You can get that yummy, beautiful cookie flavor. It makes it luxurious and delightful, and I always feel recharged. Milano cookies are truly a treat worthy of your me time. They're delicate and crispy with luxuriously rich chocolate in the middle. You really want to keep these just for you. So remember to save something for yourself with Pepperidge Farm Milano. The 27 Club is a new podcast about famous musicians who died prematurely and sometimes mysteriously at the age of 27. This podcast is hosted by me, Jake Brennan, creator and host of the hit music and true crime podcast, Disgraceland. Season one features 12 episodes on the life and death of Jimi Hendrix. The 27 Club contains adult content and explicit language. You can listen to The 27 Club on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Watch out for your ears. Welcome to Stuff You Missed in History Class from HowStuffWorks.com. Welcome to the podcast. I'm editor Candace Gibson, joined today, as always, by Josh Clark. Howdy, Candace. Josh, with the can of Fresca in the studio. Yeah. I asked uh, our producer, Jerry, if I could bring it in. She said yes. So no, I, I, was, I was trying to sound like a game of Clue in which you trace down a murderer. Oh, gotcha. That's funny that you bring that up, because I have a question about murder. It's a... Uh, Murder most foul, actually. Mm, murder, he spoke. Yeah, so I was looking at some crime statistics during lunch, which I usually do, uh, and I found out that the murder rate in the U.S. Uh, declined by 1.1% in 2007. Did you know that? That's excellent news. It is. It's good news. The bad news is uh, about 17,000 people still lost their lives at the hands of somebody else. But if you really look at the uh, these lists of statistics, the U.S. ranks um, 24th per capita. In, uh, in murders. India is at the first. They had like 34,000 murders, but they also have like a billion, you know, citizens. Yeah. So it kind of works out. Uh, and I started thinking, you know, India has been around a really long time. Uh, and there's probably been so many murders. We have no idea who committed the first murder in India. Right? Yeah, but we actually know who did that in the U.S. I know you're a fan of a firsts and number ones and yeah. top tens and things like that. We actually know that John Billington was the very first murderer in that, America. Yep, that is exactly right. His uh, he had a a pretty checkered past, right? He did. He uh, he came over on the Mayflower originally, mm-hmm. but he wasn't a Puritan by anyone's stretch of the imagination. He was actually in the group called the Strangers. Right. The the people aboard the Mayflower divided themselves into the Saints and Strangers groups. And essentially, if you were a saint, it meant that you were a Puritan. You were escaping religious persecution. If you were a stranger, however, you may have been coming over for more mercenary means, or perhaps you just wanted to start life anew. Or make some money. Mercenary means, yes. Oh, gotcha. I thought you meant like to, you know, just kill, 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 that kind of thing. Like John Billington. Ah, yeah. Back to him. You know, their troubles. It wasn't just Mr. John Billington that was, uh, that was a handful. His whole family just caused headache after headache for the Puritans in Plymouth Colony, right? Mm-hmm. Even on the way over on the Mayflower, um, 
one of his sons uh, started firing his father's gun in a, a closed room with an open keg of black powder could have just torn the ship the ship to shreds uh luckily it didn't and as far as i know the boy probably got a pretty sound thrashing for it <laughs> and, and it gets worse because once they actually landed at plymouth essentially john billington refused to serve in the local militia yeah which i think they count as america's first crime yeah yeah he uh miles standish uh actually uh tried to uh, create a uh, conscription forced uh military service and uh, Mr. Billington would have nothing to do with it. He was ap- apparently not much of a team player. Well, and the reason for that may be attributed to the fact that he didn't align all of his beliefs with the Puritan lifestyle. And all of the leaders, the elected leaders at least, were of Puritan background. And yeah. he saw things a little bit differently. He, he definitely did. He uh, was uh, accused of basically an anti-government conspiracy, a, mm-hmm. a move to topple the Puritan leaders. Um, um, and like I said, he wasn't the only Billington uh, who was uh, kind of problematic. One of his sons wandered off, gets himself captured by Native Americans, and like a, uh, a search and rescue party of 10 men had to go out and find him. And they, they spent finally, a couple of weeks. Yeah, they actually located him near Cape Cod. Yeah. So it wasn't just a, an aimless wandering. He really kind of booked it. And then yeah, once he, he got captured, they took him pretty far away. Exactly. So they had to go rescue him. They, they put all their lives in jeopardy. They, uh, they, they put the colonists' lives in jeopardy by alerting, you know, their presence to these, to these tribes who had right. no idea they were there. Um, and, uh, so Billington eventually gets this horrible reputation around there. Uh, William Bradford, the governor of Plymouth Colony, hates him. I mean, just can't stand him or his family. Finds right. him profane. I think he says, calls him a knave, which means a scoundrel. Um, Bradford, if Bradford doesn't like you, you're probably in big trouble. Although, I don't think Bradford made much trouble for Billington. I think Billington made it for himself, right? Mm-hmm. There was this guy named, uh, William Newcomen. And he was actually a newcomer to the colonies. Hence the name. Yeah. He uh, didn't know, you know, what the score was with the Billingtons. And apparently one day is uh, out on Billington's property and gets in a quarrel with him. And Billington shoots him and kills him. Right. America's first murder. So now Billington has America's first crime by refusing uh, forced conscription. He is America's first murderer, and he pulls a total trifecta by becoming the first person ever executed by the state in the New World. Um, he is hanged, and even after he's dead and buried, his family continues to make trouble. His daughter Dorcas is... His granddaughter Dorcas. His granddaughter Dorcas, thank you, is uh, accused of fornication. Uh, his wife is accused and charged of slander. Uh, for another unrelated uh, crime, she ends up in the stocks and is whipped. Um, and basically, his whole family just continues to wreak havoc on Plymouth Colony. It's his legacy, right? But I had heard that um, as far as Bradford goes, because he's so disliked Billington, he may have painted you know, uh, a picture of him that wasn't 100% accurate. So I guess my question to you is, is it fact or fiction that John Billington deserves to be reviled as America's first murderer? It really depends a lot on interpretation of history. And I'm going to go ahead and and be gutsy and say that it's fiction. He does not deserve the onus of being America's first murderer. And 
It, just to demystify a lot of the facts surrounding him, like you've mentioned, Bradford was no fan of the Billingtons. But the Billingtons, really, if you put them in context with the other families in Plymouth at this time, they might not have been that bad. Wait. For instance, when his wife Eleanor was accused of slander, no one ever recorded what it was that she said. And yeah, maybe Dorcas was accused of fornication, mm-hmm. but a lot of other 20-somethings were fornicating too, some even with animals. So, oh, yes, bestiality. Huh? Yeah, there well, you have it. That definitely does bring things into perspective, right. barreling into perspective, actually. And with John Billington himself, we're not really sure, you know, if he was just finally pushed to his limits. Apparently, Newcomen, as a newcomer, he... He was, you know, sort of after a land grab. He didn't really have a lot of property of his own because he wasn't on the first shipment of pilgrims over to Plymouth. And so he knew that Billington was rather despised among his fellow townspeople. And Mm -hmm. so he took advantage of trespassing on Billington's property and sort of picking fights with him. So so what? You're saying Newcomen was no, you know, babe in the woods, no innocent doe-eyed perfect precisely precisely and so when billington had finally had it up to his eyeballs he sort of lured him into the woods they picked a fight he was shot but again history is pretty fuzzy on this point we don't know if he was shot point blank in the head if he was shot in the shoulder and and got an infection and died a couple of days later but billington ultimately paid the price and as far as his family legacy you know, you remember how John Jr. wandered off and met up with the American Indians. Yeah. When he came back, uh, records say he was behung with beads. So he's wearing the mark of the American Indian tribes. And maybe some people looked askew at him and thought, we're not quite sure about this. Is he, is he in some sort of secret contact with them? But ultimately, some historians think that John Jr. Billington paved diplomatic inroads with the American Indian tribes. You know, I, I guess that's true by basically forcing contact by wandering <laughs> off and having to be rescued, right? Exactly. So was it a peaceful, did they hand him over peacefully, I guess, then? Yeah, they did. They did. And, you know, it's funny because today the Mayflower Society is one of the most elite organizations that you can be a member of, aside of, you know, from something like DAR or Sons of the American Revolution. You know, you have to go to a lot of genealogical effort to trace back your roots to the pilgrims who came over. And there's a list of 29 people from whom you can be descended in order to claim membership in the Mayflower Society. And John Billington is on that list. So even though he turned out to be kind of a rogue, at least in the eyes of Bradford, you can still claim lineage from him and be a part of this elite organization. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah, even though the pilgrims might not have claimed him for their own. You can. Right. Well, I mean, he was on the Mayflower after all. He did sign the Mayflower Compact, so it makes sense. There you have it. Well, thank you very much for setting my head straight. I'll I'll be a little more objective from now on, Candace. It sounds good, as one should always be when reading the facts of history. You can learn even more about Billington, John Billington, Dorcas, Eleanor, and the whole crew. Dorcas. Dorcas. And who is America's first murderer on HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. Do you like boats? Do you like big boats? Do you like poor people and the rich people they serve on big boats? Are you always like, what goes on below deck? 
Hi, this is Anna Hosnier. And Nick Turner. The hosts of Deckheads. And we want to take you on a fun and goofy adventure. In this binge-style podcast, we will watch and recap every episode of Bravo's Below Deck and all of its spinoffs. And we're going to release an episode a day so you can watch along with us and listen to our silly daily recaps. Listen to Deckheads when it drops on February 20th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The only way is through. A new podcast in partnership with iHeartRadio and Under Armour. Players, coaches, and athletes will share intimate and personal stories of performing at the highest level. Here is Canadian heptathlete Georgia Ellenwood. The reason I won is because on that day I was confident. I need to continue that mentality to understand that I can be an Olympic athlete. I can compete with the best in the world and just perform. Listen to The Only Way is Through. Available now on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.